Hello and welcome to Remotely Working, the podcast where we discuss productivity, intentional living, health, and leadership for remote workers with the goal of helping you integrate your life and work well. My name is Justin DeRose, your host and the founder of Effective Remote Work. From last week's episode, you might think that deep work is the answer to all of your focus problems, and in some cases, that's true. Sometimes you simply need to crank down, set aside some time to think deeply, and get the work done. But in learning from others and experiencing it for myself, I found that you're really only capable of doing so much deep work in a day. Even the most seasoned deep workers can muster up around four hours of intensely engaged thought for they're worn out. Last week, we talked about deep work, but how do you manage the rest of your day in a productive way then? Just because you're not in a state of deep work means that you should just allow yourself endless and fruitless interruptions or distractions binging on Twitter or YouTube, getting focused only on email or Slack messages or whatever it might be. While there can be a place for that in some circumstances, there are better ways to handle things. So much of what drives modern work culture, including emails, Slack messages, tweets, blog posts, you name it, increases our mental and emotional stimulation. We alluded to this last week. The highs of getting pinged in Slack or mentioned on Twitter can be downright addicting. And in one respect, the answer is more deep work. But when you're worn out for the rest of the time, the answer is to manage your attention and stimulation well. I think you can probably relate to the feeling that you have when you've spent a little too long looking at Facebook or getting through your email. You feel like junk. I've been there many times before. And then because of that, you feel like you can't focus anymore. You feel paralyzed. So one thing I tend to do is I stimulate myself more. I'll go check other feeds and things like that, or I'll just sit and do nothing. In essence, what's happened is that I've just overloaded or overstimulated myself. And now the path forward is unclear. I've muddled my thoughts with input from other people. I think a problem for us remote workers to realize is that overstimulation can be just as big of a productivity issue as interruptions can be. When we've taken in so much information and not given ourselves enough space to process and actually do something with it, or even just unwind from what's going on, whether that's, hey, there's this cool stuff going on in Slack right now, or this there's this really important project meeting that's going on in Basecamp, and I need to be involved in this discussion for the next little while that it's going on, that stuff can really overwhelm us, and it can cause us to lose focus on what's really important in both our lives and work because we get so consumed with that information. So the easy path forward for avoiding this kind of overwhelm is to simply get away from the stimulation. Stop reading blog posts, get off Twitter and Facebook, shut off Slack, turn off email, use paper instead of digital tools. These are all great ways to limit stimulation, but not everybody can commit to those full-time long-term. So what do you do if you can't get away from these things permanently? Well, the most important thing you can do is to set boundaries. Now, email is one of the most notorious time sucks there is in the work world. Merlin Mann once said that an email is like a pebble, and you can easily send a pebble to someone else thinking it's nothing, but then forget that the other person or not realize that the other person is carrying a million pebbles already. Something so small and innocuous as an email can end up being a major burden on modern workers when it scales up to lots and lots and lots of them. This is why there are whole services like Superhuman and other mail clients which are designed to make managing lots of email easier. I used to work in the corporate world in a very fast-paced, synchronous, email-heavy culture. 
It took me a while to figure it out, especially when I became a manager, because I found email to be flat out overwhelming. There was always a message coming in that needed to be responded to. I was one of those people to start off with that had my email client open all day long because I felt like I had to respond to everything I could as fast as possible. But in reality, even in synchronous, fast-paced organizations, that's not true. I encountered a resource called Manager Tools who advocates very strongly that people can get through all of their email, even high volumes of it, by processing it in three 30-minute blocks a day. I adopted this approach and I found it incredibly easy to manage my email going forward. I'd get really focused to manage that email in that period of time. I wouldn't do anything else. And it worked. Now, in that fast-paced culture, I was a support team manager where email responses were highly valued and often required. Not one person made mention of the fact that I was only processing my email inbox three times a day. Being able to set boundaries on an input that is causing you stress or anxiety or causing you to break focus or break your attention or overwhelm you throughout the day is something that's really important. Now, you can take this approach to managing overstimulation with email and apply it to other things. You can apply it to Slack or whatever communication tool that your team is using. You can apply it to social media, YouTube, Whatever it is that's causing you overwhelm and stress, set boundaries on it. Find an appropriate interval to work with that thing and then stick to it. And if you need help, find someone to help hold you accountable to it. It's really as simple as that. I know I'm making it sound really easy, and especially in practice when you're trying to change your habits and the way you do work, things can get a little bit difficult. But when you get the idea in your head that you need to make a change, and you have some outside accountability to help you get there, it'll be a lot easier to set and hold those boundaries going forward. Okay, so setting boundaries are great for managing your attention related to time or outside influences, but what about managing your attention in general? Because even when all the distractions are put away, sometimes you're still going to find it hard to focus. And this can be because you're tired, emotionally worn out, or because you need to process the inputs from the day, the things that you were focusing on or thinking on, or even the things that you were thinking on earlier this week. That's when I found that it's okay to embrace defocusing. You don't have to be productive all the time. You don't have to be deeply focused all of the time. And in fact, it's not healthy to try to push yourself in that direction. Most things in life are cycles. When you exercise intensely, you need to have intense periods of rest and regeneration. You need to eat the right diet, eat in the right cadence. You don't eat a pound of spaghetti right before you have a race because your body needs to process on it. Yes, I'm referencing that office episode right now. And the same is true with cycles of work. You need to have times of deep focus, but you also need to have these cycles where you're defocusing, where you're letting your mind wander. Chris Bailey in his book Hyperfocus calls this scatter focus. It's basically to intentionally not focus on any one thing. So where hyperfocus or deep work is letting your entire attentional capacity be consumed with one thing, scatter focus is allowing your attention to wander and focus on as many things as it wants. Scatter focus is a huge benefit when your attentional willpower is worn out because it can help you recharge and regroup. So when you spend a lot of time focusing on deep work and really intensely thinking, the thing that you need to do when you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're overstimulated, when you're overwhelmed, is to step back, let your mind wander, let it unwind and focus on things and connect ideas. Because 
Where hyperfocus is good for intense depth on a subject or a problem, scatterfocus is great for connecting ideas. Where hyperfocus helps you push one thing forward, scatterfocus helps you process through your thoughts to connect ideas together. Bailey also notes that scatterfocus can take many forms, including dreaming at night, daydreaming, free writing, shower thoughts, those thoughts and solutions and problems and creative ideas that you often have while taking a shower because frankly, there's nothing else to do or doing something like a mind sweep or a brain dump, which is personally my favorite form of scatter focus. The mind sweep, originally from getting things done, is essentially letting your mind wander and writing down anything that comes to mind. Traditionally, it's more focused on open loops or things that you need to do that might be causing you stress, but it can also be a free writing session, a bullet list, or literally anything on your mind. It can be emotions, thoughts, ideas, plans, things that you've read, ideas that you've wanted to connect together, or something that's connecting together in that moment in time. In a productivity sense, a mind sweep helps you get clear on everything you need to do, but more broadly, a mind sweep helps you reset. It's the processing and unloading that your mind often needs after focusing intently on one thing for a long period of time or focusing on lots of things and responding to lots of things over a period of time as well. A side benefit of a mind sweep is that you'll often connect ideas or riff off of existing ones to come up with other solutions or connections. Oftentimes when I'm engaging in that mind sweep or scatter focus type mode of thinking, I'm coming up with more creative solutions or when I come out of that time anyway, I am in a much better state to solve problems or look at something. It's very much like in programming. If you've ever done any programming before, you know that sometimes you're trying to fix a bug or figure out a problem and you're just hitting your head against a brick wall for even hours at a time. And then you either go to bed and wake up the next morning or walk away from it for even 20 minutes to an hour and you come back at it and you're like, oh, duh, it's something super simple that I could have done. I don't know how many times that I have done this, just taking a break from something, walking away and coming back, not even thinking about the problem, I come back with the solution. And that is really the power of scatter focus. Let your mind wander. Whether or not you're focusing on a problem in a given period of scatter focus doesn't necessarily mean that you're not actually thinking on the problem. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our brains that's very subconscious. And if you've run into these situations like I just talked about with programming, you'll realize that answers can become very apparent when you walk away from a problem for a period of time. I don't understand how the brain does that, but it's a very real reality. Letting your mind engage in scatter focus or to focus freely is something that I think of as a focus superpower. When I can let go of the mindset to just keep pushing hard and let my mind recharge, even through 15 minutes of scatter focus, I usually have better ideas, better solutions to problems, and more focus for the rest of the day. If you're dealing with overwhelm or you're not sure what to do in those times where you're not doing deep work, or you have a job where your job is to respond to things all day long, like if you're in a customer support role, it's important to set boundaries on the things that are causing you overwhelm. But when you can't set boundaries on something or just generally you're worn out and having difficulty focusing, take some time to back up and let your mind wander. It's in that place where you'll get better ideas, you'll have better responses, you'll be able to engage with your work more deeply, even if you do it for 15 minutes. Now this week we've talked a lot about mind sweeps and mind sweeps are a key component of the helpful weekly habit called the weekly review. If you've ever tried to build a productivity system but had issues with it or sticking with it long-term, 
it's possible that you're struggling by not having an effective weekly review. If you're interested in learning more about how to dive in and conduct a weekly review well, I have a free guide available at weeklyreviewchecklist.net. Head on over to that link, sign up, and get the guide. That closes out today's episode of Remotely Working. Check out remotelyworking.net to subscribe. If you have any questions or comments about the last few episodes or about focus that you want to share with us, you can get at us three different ways. At message us on Twitter at Effective Remote. Use the Twitter hashtag AskERW or email us at hello at EffectiveRemoteWork.com. For more free resources designed for remote workers, head on over to EffectiveRemoteWork.com. My name is Justin DeRose and this has been Remotely Working.